maybe a couple of months ago, the Lord spoke something to me and said the transition has already begun. And uh, we have a tremendous group of young people and children. And um, God wants to use them. God is using them. And God's going to continue to use them. And I believe in our young people. And I'm going to preach to all of us tonight. But if you're under the age of 21, I want you to hear what the Lord is saying to you tonight. Praise God. The Lord gave me a word for all of our teenagers, young adults, children. Praise God. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life that they might have life might have it more abundantly you know the Bible's a, a really neat book uh, while it is the word of God for our life it, it's also the devil's playbook so what God gave us when he gave us the Bible, he gave us the devil's playbook at the same time. Um, coaches, football coaches on the sideline don't just go and show the other team their play chart. That's a secret. You don't want the other team to know what you're doing. Well, the Bible tells us exactly what the devil does and how he does it. And the word of God is true. And the enemy can only hope to trick us into thinking that what the Bible says he is doing is not actually what he's doing. But the word of God is true. I want to read Jeremiah 29 and 11. I'll read this in the New Living Translation. King James is just a little bit different. Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says, For I, this New Living Translation, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope to give you a future and a hope. This world is a world that is, that is without hope. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. When a person gets to the place that they don't have any hope for their future is when they will spiral downward into a place of self-destruction. That's what the world gets you. But the plans of God for the future of this church, I'm not just talking, when, I, when I'm saying I'm preaching to the young people tonight, 
I what I what I what I am preaching to or who I'm preaching to is the future leadership of this church. Not just the future. You you are you are the present in regards to being a part of this church, but you are the future leaders of this church. And some of you young people are starting to step into it right now. And God wants to increase that. Wants to increase it. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voice to Him and love Him right now. Lord, we praise your name tonight. I take authority over every lying devil that would want to distract from the Word of God and the hearing of the Word of God. I take authority over every lie of hell that wars against every young person, that wars against the thoughts of their mind and the work of the Spirit of God on their life. In the name of Jesus, I bind it in Jesus' name. And I loose the truth of the Word of God to penetrate deep into the soil of their heart tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time before you're seated tonight. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated tonight. Hallelujah. I guess you could title this or subject it to the future of this church. God has a specific plan for your life. However, everybody in this room, we are at different stages in life. And it's one thing for somebody 8, 9, 10, 11 years old to know that God has a future for the life and somebody that's 70, 80, 90 knowing that and here's the reality, this sounds morbid, but here's the reality, is that there is less time to live for some of you in the room than you have already lived. That is the reality. We have one life to live. We have one life. Uh, normally when I'm on the golf course about to do, make, try to do some, something I shouldn't do, as in trying to make a shot that I shouldn't even try to attempt, I just say, YOLO. You only live once. Might as well have fun. That's when I'm on the golf course. And I'm trying to shoot a good score. And I get caught in a predicament where I'm either going to play the safe shot or I'm going to try to play hero golf. Um, but the world will say that, you'll hear that phrase thrown out there, you only live once, you might as well, and it's in the context of you might as well have fun. Do something crazy because you only live once. Go have a good time because you only live once. Go party it up because you only live once. Live on the edge because you only live once. And it is, it is one of the, the greatest lies of the enemy that he has sold a young generation into forfeiting their future over a few moments of fun. And in just a few moments, the future of somebody's life can, can be drastically altered. From time to time, I, I've done it. I can't do it a whole lot because it's so heavy, but... On YouTube, there are, there are videos of the courtroom when somebody's sentence comes down. And I watched a video of a young man that was probably 21 years old that decided he would go out in his car and he'd drive it as fast as he could drive it. 
problem is, is going 100 and something miles an hour, he hit another car and killed a mom and her daughter, I believe it was, and he's standing before the judge, and his sentence is handed down. It was a life sentence for uh, reckless driving and for the murder of those two people. And just he, he thought he was going out to have fun, and now his life is gone. It's just that fast. It is gone. Two people lost their lives, two or three, however many it was, and he stands before the judge, and, and there, was, uh, there was a time where he, was, he cranked the car up and thought, I'll just go have some fun, and then it cost him everything. It cost another family everything, and the tragedy that struck was something that would never, that would never leave his life the same. It would never leave his family's life the same. Everybody loosely connected to this particular young man uh, their lives are forever changed because of just even just being connected to them and the tragedy that happened. And you can you can go whatever states in in America allow uh, videos in the courtroom. I, I I just did it maybe just to get a sense of the gravity of what it is like to look at somebody in the face as the camera shows their reaction to the judge saying that handing down their sentence as they are sentenced or pronounced guilty and their sentence is handed down. Maybe it's twenty years, thirty years, fifty years, a lifetime. Time and in just a few words that, that, that come off the tongue of the judge, their life is over. A future, at one time, somebody that had a future then because of a wrong decision, because maybe they were in the wrong place at the wrong time or they had the wrong friends or the wrong influences or they had a wrong idea. Something that they partook in led them to some place to where, where it was fun at one time. Then all of a sudden their life is over and it's gone. And it's not that, it's not, and understand what I'm saying here tonight. You're going to have to, the, the older folks in the room and the mature Christians, you're going to have to just filter this. But uh, it, it's not that somebody's life had the bulk of their life had been lived and there's only 20 or 30 years left. We're talking about somebody maybe in their teens or their 20s that had a lifetime ahead of them. And everybody thinks the same thing. What could have been? How sad, how devastating for somebody with a life in front of them to get caught up in whatever situation is. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter when a life is over. And every parent in the room looks at the generation uh, 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 beneath us and behind us. And we, and we as the older generation look at the, at the kids, at the teenagers, at the, the, at the young children. And we, we kind of get starry eyed in our own mind about what they possibly could do, what potential they have. And, and it, it, it's something that no, no matter, you know, at my age, people my age and maybe a little bit younger or, or a little bit older, there's just something about watching a child or a teenager develop in whatever their skills are or what do they find interest in? And there's something about that once you've reached your 30s and heading into your 40s, your 50s, it's something about watching the next generation as they get their hands on whatever their interests are and they begin to develop and, and we root them on and we are excited about their development and how good they're doing maybe in school or whatever their interest is in life, that they will have a future one day, that they will be good at something one day, that they will make a life for themselves one day, that they will have a family, that they will do well in life and it's our dreams as 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 adults as parents as we look at the next generation dreaming almost for them of the years to come if they make the right decisions and they follow the word of God what could be what could happen in their life 
Imagine the, I, I, I believe it was maybe Charles Spurgeon or, or another preacher of years gone by that said something to this effect. Imagine the value of a soul that both God and the devil are warring over that soul. Imagine the, the value of one life to live. Heard somebody say it like this, if you save a child, you save a life. It's easier to save the life of a child for them to live for God and commit their life to God as just a child and give their life to God. And here's the reality. It's easier to train them up in the ways of God than it is to try to fix the broken mess that comes from the world. Now, God can do anything, and I'll stop right now to say, everybody in the room here tonight, you are here because Jesus loves you, because his spirit is drawing you, because you matter to God and to the kingdom. His love for everybody is the same. But I have a burden in my heart for our young people, for our children and our teenagers, because they are our future. They are our future. Every, every baby that cries, that's the cry of our future in this room. When, when the children, when the babies and the children are a little out of sorts, it, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It just is what it is. But one thing that I hear amongst that is that is, that's the sound of our future. That's the sound that's going to lead us in 20 or 30 years from now or 40 years from now. The sound of that voice or that cry may be a cry right now, but give some time and development and, and the the work of the Holy Ghost and they will be the ones carrying on the torch and the, and the ministry and the kingdom of God in this city and around the world. But you've got to know tonight that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's it. The way that Satan gets people wrapped up in sin and steals and kills and destroys is he comes along with pleasure and he offers pleasure. He offers them a good time. Every phase of life, every age group, there are three, uh, basically I won't get into it right now, but three brackets of, of age group that Satan tends to, to uh, target at particular ages in life. There are certain things that, that uh, men and women in their 60s and 70s are not necessarily tempted as they were in their teens and their 20s. There are the, the, the teenagers and the, and the young adults in the room, there are things that you are not necessarily tempted with that don't bother you that may be a, a, a temptation for somebody that is on up in years. It doesn't matter who you are. The tempter is there and he is warring after the souls of men and women. And he's trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And once you, once you bypass and you, and through the grace of God and the help of the Holy Ghost, you make it through that particular age bracket in life. You begin to see of how much of a lie that temptation was when you were in that particular age bracket of life. 
There are things that I see now that I didn't see when I was a teenager or when I was a young adult that I see how much of a lie and how much of a, an illusion it is, how much of a mirage it is that Satan throws before the eyes of young people and tries to bait them into getting into a position where he can steal everything from them just by offering them pleasure. The Bible really is true when it says at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Every person is going to have to choose between the pleasure of the world and the pleasure of the kingdom. And Satan in all of his power that he has in this world as the God of this world, he knows how to make things so tempting and he knows how to make things so appealing to the flesh and seem as though it will satisfy and if I can just get a hold of that, that it is so appealing and so tempting to me that it will bring me fulfillment in life. But the Bible says that at his right hand, at his right hand, are pleasures forevermore. So there's this battle between the pleasure of the world and, and the pleasure of the kingdom. There's this battle every day between what Satan is offering humanity and the pleasure in the here and now, but does not show you the back end of the deal. He does not show you the consequences. You can choose your sin, but you cannot choose your consequences. I'll say that again. You can choose whatever is your sin of choice, but you cannot choose the consequences once they begin to come down the line because when we sow unto the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow unto the Spirit, we shall reap life everlasting. When I choose the pleasure of the kingdom, it may seem like in the moment I am missing out on something that the world has to offer. But here this 38-year-old pastor, I've walked just a few miles to know that everything Satan puts in front of you, there is a lie in it somewhere, somehow. Every temptation that comes along your way, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there is a lie that is intertwined and interlaced within that pleasure that is presented before you. There is a lie in there. And he's not telling you the lie. He's not telling you the lie. Because he only comes to do three things. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. This is a downward progression. This is not just three separate things, but the first thing he does is steal something from you. Then there is death but he's not done there. Then there is destruction. Destruction is when sin has ravaged your life so much that you don't have anything left to give to God. 
Now, I, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We, have, we, have, we believe God's grace is sufficient. His mercy is still everlasting. His grace is still here. He loves us. But you've got to understand the difference between a life that is given to God at an early age and is consecrated to the Lord to live for him all of your life. And instead of doing that, taking that life and giving it to the world, taking your youth, you've you got to understand how valuable you are, young people, that you have something that you will never have again. You know what that is? That is your youth. And once it's gone, it's gone. You cannot get it back. You don't get those years back again. It's gone. And your, the years of your youth are so valuable. You may, look at, you may look at people in their 20s or 30s and think, oh, they're doing something for God. That's, that's when you do something for God. That's when you really mean something to God. That's the voice of the enemy telling you that. That is a lie from hell. That thought that comes through your mind that says, oh, it's the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings, the 40-somethings, the 50-somethings that, that have had time to develop and maybe they're better with a microphone or they're better with an instrument or they're better with a, a Bible study. They can explain it better or they're just more developed in life. Those are the ones that are valuable in the kingdom and you are missing it because the Bible says in, uh, in, in 1 Peter, uh, no, let's see, let's see, it says in uh, 1 Timothy 4 and 12, let no man despise despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. What the Bible says is that you in your youth, in your teenage years, can be an example of the kingdom of God. Are you going to be perfect? No. Are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Are you going to have setbacks and hiccups? You better believe it. The Bible equates all that in, but in your youth, you can be used of God. You can be an example of the believers. You can be somebody that the, that the lost people of Springfield look at and say, they are doing something for God, and I want what they have. Yeah. Clap your hands and magnify God in this house right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's going to be an impartation here tonight. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost. Something's going to break in this house. I just felt it move in right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm telling you that there's got to be some young people that start that in your own brain and in your own mind, you start telling yourself, I don't care what somebody thinks of me. I'm going to live for God 100%. I'm not waiting on somebody's approval. I'm not waiting on somebody to pat me on the back or to say, way to go. But I'm going to live for God because I want to live for God and I choose the pleasure of the kingdom over the pleasure of the world I remember I was I think I was 17 the first time I ever smelled the smell of marijuana I literally didn't know what it smelled like I was working at the time it's now it's Macy's it used to be famous bar and it was late one night we're about to close and customers are in there, and and, uh, and and the traffic in the mall back in the day used to be a whole lot more than it is now. And I and I and it's like some folks came through, and it just like filled the air, and nobody even had to tell me. I'm like, that's what that is. Like I had never smelled it before, but now, 
with dispensaries all over the place. It's like you can't go places and not smell it. Our young people are living in a world that I didn't live in. Drugs are so readily available in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that they were not uh, available in my, in, my, in my younger years. I mean, you could get it, but it's, it's not like it is. It's just totally different. The spirits, especially of this state, have ushered in ungodliness and legalized it to make it more readily available for people and have made it readily available and, and, and teenagers are getting a hold of it. And, and you can call it whatever you want to call it, but the reason why people feel the need to get high catch this young people the reason why they feel the need to get high is because they are low now I know that's like rocket science right it's because they're depressed it's because they're hopeless it's because everything they've tried in the world has left them at a place left them to a place where they need something to just get up off the ground and live their life and it is destroying lives it is continuing to take them deeper and darker the reason why they're doing it is because their lives they feel like are hopeless they don't have joy they don't have peace they've already been involved in multiple relationships they've given themselves to that person and this person and that person their spirit is divided up into multiple partners and they're and they're hopeless and they're alone and their heart is aching and it is hurting and they're going through all kinds of stuff but society has offered something to cover that up. I'm telling you, this generation is dealing with stuff that my generation didn't have readily available to them but in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the sin that has been legalized and made available for all that can just get their hands on it, there are going to be young people that are sold out and committed unto the Lord that are full of the Holy Ghost that are full of faith and power in the name of Jesus and God is going to use them to reach this city lift your hands up to the Lord right now and pray in the Holy Ghost in this house I ought to have some parents help in this house right now hallelujah Hallelujah. First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking someone to devour with immoral relationships. He's seeking someone to devour with a party lifestyle. He's seeking someone to devour with drugs that you can get your hands on. He's seeking somebody to devour with alcohol and partying with your friends. You see, it's fun up front, but there is a devouring that is gradually happening to your life. You don't realize the web that is being spun around your spirit when you give yourself to pleasure and to sin. Hear me, somebody tonight. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's walking about through the earth and sin is readily available and pleasure is there for you but there is a devouring that is happening Satan 
wants to take a life and he wants to destroy it. Satan loves, he loves getting a hold of a life at an early age so that somebody is spending their, the rest of their life in and out of rehabs. Oh, he loves it. He just laughs and he laughs and he laughs. He laughs when somebody gets, as a young person or as a teenager, young adult, gets hooked on drugs or, or is, has as many immoral relationships as they possibly can have and, and realizing that all of those immoral relationships are going to eventually compromise any marriage relationship that they try to have later in life because they have given themselves to so many people that they can't even think straight in their marriage and be committed to one person. It's all fun and games up front until you want to get serious in life. Life and have something of value and by the time you get to the place where you want to have something of value you have given yourself to sin and it has destroyed you it's one of the reasons why marriages I think on average last about seven years six or seven years 8.2 is the average Because if you're, to, if, you're, if you're going to talk about saving sex until marriage, you're going to get laughed at. That's what the world does. The world mocks purity and the things of God. It mocks it. It says, oh, I got something better. You can have it right now and all that you want. And then those same people that indulge in it by the time they want to get married. They've indulged in so much and, and, and not realizing that their spirit is connected to all of these different people. That they, they, that, they can't be, that they can't be joined to their spouse in their mind because they're connected here and connected there and connected there. Memories there, memories there, memories there. That person there, that girl there, that guy there. And they're spread all over the place. So marriages don't last. Because once you've opened the door to immorality, then it's easy to cheat on your spouse. Because I mean, you've been doing this behavior all uh, you know all up until then, and 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 just just the, just the way that the world lives. See, the world offers pleasure up front. The world offers a good time up front, not showing you the back end of the deal. And he paints the church as the restrictive place. Heard somebody say it like this: When the wolf tells the story, the shepherd is always the bad guy. When the devil's painting the picture, the one that preaches the word of God and gives instructions that, that, that tells my flesh, no, we don't want to hear that. But there is an adversary. You see, it's, there's, there's drugs. That are, I guess they say that marijuana is not an addictive drug. I don't know. I think I heard somebody say that sometime, but you, you can't. Once you give yourself to it and you open the door to it, and you open the door and you have tasted of that pleasure of the world and you know what that is, there are certain things that, that God never allowed for you to understand what they are. For you, God, there, are certain, there are things that God never uh, uh, intended for you to experience. And when your flesh is given that indulgence, a door is opened in your life and it's easy to go back to it and indulge again. And it takes a work of the Holy Ghost and God can do it. God does do it. 
God saves and delivers and he sets free. Okay? And I want everybody that comes through these doors to get full of the Holy Ghost, delivered from sin, everything. And God does it. Doesn't matter who it is, God loves everybody and God's going to save anybody that wants to be saved and God's going to deliver anybody that wants to be delivered. But I'm trying to talk to some young people before you get into some things that the world's going to throw at you. That is just as much of a testimony for God to save you from some things than have to deliver you out of them. It's See, the, the devil loves to mock innocence. He loves to mock it. He loves to mock it. It comes through the voices and the spirits of your peers, maybe in your school. When you, when you get into conversations and say, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not involved in that. I don't do that. And somebody starts smirking and laughing at you. That's the spirit of the world, of the God of this world that hates anything that stands against worldliness and sin. You're going to face it, but God's going to give you power over it. Oh, hallelujah. The lion comes in. The adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. Heard a story of a shepherd, a man that had, not a shepherd, a man that owned animals on his farm. Horses, I believe it was. And every time he went out to where the horses were, they were always right by the fence, eating the grass at the fence. So he went out, took the fence, and he expanded the border of that fence. Took it out a little bit farther. Okay, they're wanting the grass where that is. I'm going to expand the border of the fence. Came out the next day or a few days later and noticed the horses at the border of that fence again. Reaching their neck through, getting the grass. He says, okay, I'll expand the border again. I'll make it bigger. And every time he did, he would come out to find these particular animals out right at the border. So he said, okay, fine, I'll just take it down and you can roam where you want to. So he took the fence down, came back out the next day. Some coyotes had come through, slaughtered his animals. And what he thought he was doing was going to help them and do a favor for them. By giving them more room, what he didn't realize is that that fence was not holding those animals in as much as it was keeping the coyotes out. God established borders and boundaries for the safekeeping of his people because he loves his people and he does not just want to save them, he wants to keep them. He wants to keep them as his own. And there is safety in, in the boundaries and the borders of the word of God. There is safety within the boundaries and the borders of the church, of the kingdom of God. And when we get outside of the borders of the, of the kingdom of God, when we get outside of the borders of the church, it may seem liberating and it may seem free that I can roam where I want to roam and I can eat where I want to eat and I can have what I want to have. What we do not understand is there is a roaring lion that is waiting. The book of Amos chapter number 3 verse number 11 says, Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, 
An adversary there shall be even round about the land. And he shall bring down the strength, thy strength from thee. And thy palaces shall be spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed, and in Damascus in a couch. What is he talking about here? He's talking about a lion that got a hold of the sheep. And when the shepherd found the lion, all he had left in his mouth was two legs or a piece of an ear. What once used to be a valuable animal to that shepherd, a valuable sheep, because the lion got a hold of it that was trying to devour something. What at one time should have been a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, which was reasonable service. What one time could have been a life lived unto God was reduced to just two legs or a piece of an ear. The devil has sold so many people a bill of goods saying you can come back to church and repent whenever you want. And what he has hid is I'm going to steal your youth. I'm going to steal your teens. I'm going to steal your 20s. I'm going to steal your 30s. I'm going to steal the strength of your life and those at that age where you can really plow ahead in the kingdom of God with every bit of strength and vigor and anointing and power and energy that you have. Till all that is left is two legs, a piece of an ear. See, the Bible says Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What could have been a life lived and youth given to the kingdom of God. In so many scenarios, all that is left is just two legs, maybe a piece of an ear. A life that was consumed by the adversary, by indulging in sin, and giving themselves to iniquity, not understanding that the thief was stealing from them, that the lion was devouring them piece by piece, year by year, decade by decade. And when they finally come to themselves, or the shepherd finally found the lion, all that was in that lion's mouth was two legs and a piece of an ear. They gave themselves to iniquity. There are young people here under the sound of my voice that your giftings have already started to come to the surface. 
You, 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 the enemy tries to lie to you and intimidate you and tell you what you are and what you're not. And you have giftings that are already bubbling up to the surface right now, right now. You are the church right now. Something that caught my attention just a couple of weeks ago. And I hope, I hope she's not embarrassed at me, but I'm going to tell this story. Sister Bliss came to me and said that Abigail was in her room praying a few weeks ago. And Abigail came out and began to tell a story about there was a lady in a cage and she saw in a vision that this lady was in a cage. She began to describe this vision that God showed her and, and Sister Bliss, she could tell the story better, but basically what this was, this was a, an acquaintance of theirs that was battling depression. Twelve years old, the gifts are working. Twelve. God is bringing something to the surface. Abigail, that's the Holy Ghost. That's not just you. And God's going to continue to show you more things. And when you, at your age, go into your own prayer time in your room and you pray, the Lord's going to show you stuff. The Lord's going to talk to you. I'm telling you, God's going to use young people. It's, the gifts of the Spirit is not for the 30s and 40s-somethings. I'm talking about being an example to the believers. Yes, yes. Sister Maddie had somebody here this morning, Tuesday night and today, that was that got reacquainted. With the, she, he was in your Bible study, right? Oh, yeah. Going to win souls. You're going to win 100 souls. It's already happening right now. Four, you're 14, right? 14? 15, 14. You're what? You're 16. She's 16. I'm talking about giftings. I'm talking about God using them now. And Satan sees that. And he hates it. And he wants to attract and entice and tempt. But in the name of Jesus, these young people are going to come through all the temptations of the teenage years and their young adult years. They're going to be an example to the believers. I'm telling you, there's an anointing on the Holy Ghost. You can squander your years in the world or you can find the pleasure of the kingdom of being used in the gifts of the Spirit of God speaking things to you and you having dreams and visions in the kingdom of God, of God using your musical ability and God using you to teach Bible studies and God using you to be influential and God using you in the gifts of the Spirit in these altars and God speaking things to you when you go to pray and the enemy's going to try to tell you that's just you. You're just weird. That's not God. Oh, it is the Holy Ghost talking to you. It is the Holy Ghost that wants to speak to you and use you. It is the Holy Ghost that wants to pull you into the things of God and God wants to use you in a greater measure. He wants you to be an example to the believers. It's not just for the old folks to do that have been around for a while, but the Bible says be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith and in purity. I beg of some people here tonight, don't let a shepherd find two legs and a piece of an ear, but know that God has plans for you, plans to prosper you, Plans to prosper you. The enemy tells you, oh, there's no fun in the church. It's just boring. You don't get to do that. And that's the voice of the enemy. He comes and he tries to downplay the pleasure of the kingdom. 
And it's all for the purpose of killing, stealing, and ultimately destroying your life. I believe in deathbed repentance. I do. Had a family member that got the Holy Ghost, your brother, and died just how many? Seven hours later. Seven hours, right? That is an example of the grace and the mercy of God. But hear me tonight. But hear me tonight. That's the exception. Satan will try to bait you into saying, oh, I could repent on my deathbed. I told you all about it. I was driving out here west on Monroe, and there was a kid. I don't know how old he was, maybe 19, 20, 21, on the side of the road, trying to make up his mind if he was going to dash across the, the street. And we had green lights going that way. And he, he, made a, he, he jumped out there, then jumped back. The next thing I saw, I looked up, and he had looked right, or he had looked left, but he hadn't looked right. Boom! Car coming eastbound, that way hit him. Never something you want to see. Luckily for him, he, they took him away in an ambulance, but he's fine. But had that been the last moment, had that been it, there's no time to pray, there's no time to repent, there's no time to get right with God, there's no time. Your future, your present where you are now, the years that you are living in now, hear me young people, God wants to use you, not just not for you to just come and sit on a chair and just go to youth class on Tuesday night and, and just be told what to do and what not to do. That's not what the kingdom is. God is wanting to elevate you to a place in the kingdom to where you are being used by God in the last day harvest. To where people are coming in that back door or coming into your living room and you're opening up the Bible and you're teaching them what they what you know and you're teaching them the word of God. He wants to you, he's not just trying to keep you from stuff so you can't have fun. That's the that is the enemy, the liar, the, the, the father of lies telling you what you cannot have. But there's 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 our God who says, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to prosper you, they are not plans to destroy you. There's no plans for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope and God is trying to speak to somebody here tonight hear me uh, uh, every every ear under the sound of my voice here tonight that God is speaking to you and saying don't let a shepherd come and find two legs and a piece of an ear but make your give your body as a living sacrifice unto God give your whole life unto him and say God I'm not going to serve you 20 years from now I'm going to serve you every day of my life starting right now I'm not going to give my life to the pleasure of of the world. I'm going to give my life to the pleasure of the kingdom of God. I have no regrets about giving my youth to the kingdom. Not one. Do I have regrets? Mistakes that I made? Yep. Shortcomings? Absolutely. Things I wish I could do over, you better believe it. But my desire was to live for the kingdom. 
came back to an altar, said, God, I want to live for your kingdom. I want to get it right. When I messed up, I came back and found a place of repentance. God, I, I, that's, that's what I want. I want to live for your kingdom. When it came to choosing a spouse, I wasn't looking in the world for a spouse. I didn't date girls in the world because I knew I wanted to marry somebody that was completely 100% sold out to the kingdom. That's what I wanted. I knew that's what I wanted. There were cute girls in high school that interested me, but, but I knew in my heart that I'm like, nah, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. That's not what I want for my life. I want somebody that's 100% sold out to Jesus Christ. I want somebody that was stable, that loved God, that was an example like my mother was that I saw growing up. That is what I want. I want somebody that will live for God. And, and, and I thank God uh, uh, almost every day for a wife that I, when I go home, I don't have to fight a wife that wants to be carnal and that wants to be like the world and wants to watch worldly things and wants to fill our home with carnality. But I I have a wife that teaches my children the word of God. I have a wife that I talk to talk about the word of God with her and we talk about what the spirit of God is saying and what God is doing and what we see God doing and what our dreams are. I, I, I have a spouse that loves God as much as I do and has the vision for what God wants to do in this city because a long time ago, even though there were temptations in the world, I said I want somebody who lives for God. That's what I want. You've got to get your eyes off of the world. Samson is one of those stories in the book of Judges. I'm just about through. Samson is one of those stories in the book of Judges that I love to read and love to just imagine what it must have been like when the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson as he judged Israel and how Samson wasn't some muscle-bound dude. He was a regular Joe. If he'd have been some muscle-bound dude, they'd have said, oh, he's just muscular. That's what, no, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he did great things for Israel. But right at the beginning of the story, the Bible says that he saw a woman in Timnath. It's like before the story even gets started, it shows us where his eyes were. His eyes were in the wrong place. What are you looking at? You got your eyes on the world and how fun it looks or how cute the girls are or how cute the boys are and how whatever they are and how appealing it is to live that lifestyle. This is what took Samson to a place even though he was anointed of God. His eyes were in the wrong place. I tell some young people, make up your mind right now now, not when you're 18, not when you're 21, not when you start dating, now, I will not marry outside of the church. Some parents ought to say amen in here. I will not do it. When it comes to picking a spouse, I'm going to get my eyes on the church. I'm going to find somebody that loves to pray. I'm going to find somebody that loves to live for God. I'm going to find somebody that's not trying to do the things of the world, but I'm going to find a spouse that is on fire for Jesus Christ. Since I have the choice, I'm going to make the decision now. 
outside of living for God who I married was the best decision of my life. Because she loves God. There's no battle in the home of wanting to teach my children one thing and her wanting to teach them another thing and there's no, there's no two minds about it. There is a unity in the home because we want to live for God together. Your future is right now. Your future is now. That what will decide where you end up years from now will decide, will, will depend upon the decisions that you make right now. Stand with me. One of the cute, cute girls on the cheerleading squad, I had her attention. I liked her. But there was something deep within me that said, nope, she's not for me. She's not for me. Temptations came. Oh, yeah. They were so very real. They were so very present. But hear me, young people, every temptation that comes your way, there is a lie that is intertwined in that temptation. God is not wanting to use you in the future. He's wanting to use you now. He's wanting to use you now. The devil's going to throw every excuse at you of why you should just go indulge in the pleasure of the world or why it may look like it's free in the world and why it may look liberating in the world. You can do whatever you want to do in the world. Oh, yeah. When you save a child, you save a life. I want everybody to be saved that wants to be saved. I want everybody to be delivered that wants to be delivered. I want to help everybody that can, no matter their age, no matter their, their, their status in, in society, no matter their income level, no matter, no matter anything. It doesn't matter. Everybody deserves to have a shot at salvation. But hear me, I want to reach for every young person and tell you tonight, hear the word of the Lord, that Satan has a plan for your life and it's to steal, to kill, and to destroy. you got a story living for God there was times it was hard you had to make decisions and you chose the kingdom and there's not one regret you have about, about choosing the kingdom but I have, I have talked to so many people in the latter years of their life that have squandered their life on pleasure squandered their life on stuff that gave them instant gratification and they are a broken mess marriage after marriage after marriage kids all over the place spread out and God didn't intend for it to be that way and they have regret upon regret upon regret and all that was found really at the end of it was two legs and a piece of an ear 
I don't want to give God just 10 years of my life, the last 10 years, and say, oh, I made it to heaven. I'm trying to go. Every person of, uh, that's up in age that comes and wants the Holy Ghost, they deserve to have it. God's going to give it to them. God's going to save them. They're going to go to heaven. Don't misunderstand me tonight. You've got to hear this through the filter of the Word of God. The value of the kingdom, our future, is wrapped up in our babies, is wrapped up in our children and our teenagers. I'm concerned about their future right now because Satan is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to devour an entire life and he starts with age 12, age 13, age four. He just wants to steal a day. Then he wants to steal a week. He'll steal a service if he can. Then he'll steal a month. He'll steal a year. He'll steal anything he can from you. You've got to hear this preacher right now hear me real good this I promise you I promise you this right now that when you're high on that drug or you've slept with countless people and you've indulged in every sin that you can give yourself to in the back of your brain you'll be like man he was right I promise you and I feel the Holy Ghost so strong I promise you upon everything that I've got in the back of your mind you'll be thinking I wish I could get to that altar right now and feel what I felt in that altar <laughs> there's nothing like feeling the tears stream down your face as the Holy Ghost moves on your soul there's no sin there's no drug there's no immorality there's no party there's nothing in the world that can replace what you feel right now. Throw your hands in the air right now and say, God, I'll give you my life. I'll give you every day. I'll give you every week. I'll give you every month. I'll give you every year. I want you to have it. Oh. The devil will try to talk you out of this. He'll try to talk you out of it, but he's a liar. He's a liar. The pleasure at the party cannot compare to what you feel right now. Being accepted by your friends cannot compare to being accepted by God. You're not just going to be saved. God's going to use you powerfully. You're not just going to make it to heaven. You're going to be soul winners and powerful in the kingdom. Hallelujah. I want you to come around this altar right now from the back to the front if you're hungry for God. God's doing a work in this house right now. Every person of age, I beg of you right now, come down here and find somebody to pray with. Our future is wrapped up in our children. Hallelujah.
you young people the harvest of this church is coming through you the, the spark of revival and growth is going to come through you the spark of growth in this church is going to come through you bringing your friends and they're going to get the Holy Ghost they're going to get baptized in Jesus name God's going to set them free and God's going to use them in the kingdom Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, everything revolves around you. I pray a hedge of protection. I plead the blood over every young person. In the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost is going with you to your school. He's going with you wherever you go. The angels of the Lord are going to be with you. God's going to, God's going to use you. God's going to be with you in the name of Jesus.
young people hear me, God's going to give you favor. God's already given you influence. We have tremendously talented young people that have giftings, that have influence. Natural leaders that you already have influence with people. God uses that. You're going to bring your friends to church. They're going to think we're crazy at first. Then they're going to come back and they're going to get the Holy Ghost. And you're going to teach them a Bible study. And you're going to disciple them. And they're going to get integrated into the body of Christ. God's going to use you. The young people, that this church is not, I'll tell you this right now. This church is not going to have revival and harvest outside of our young people are an integral part of everything God is doing here. You are the church of right now. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now all over this room? Hallelujah. Lord, let them dream in their dreams about the things of God. Let them see visions. Let them hear the voice of God. I pray their ear would be tuned to the voice of God now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Young people, prayer on Saturday night, that includes you because your prayers matter. We need our young people in here praying alongside all the adults, not just adults here. You're powerful. You're powerful. You're powerful right now, not in 20 years, not in 30 years. You're powerful now. You change the atmosphere when you plug your spirit in. You're an example to the believers. Be that tonight. Got a whole big circus going on right here. Praise God. God's been good to us tonight.